Good day to you fine people of God. I'm Pastor Cole McClendon coming to you from Central Assembly of God, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I trust that you will find great value in listening to this message today. My hope is that you're encouraged and strengthened by the word given and that you will return to this site frequently to listen in. Be blessed. See, so February of 1993, we were living in and pastoring a small church in 44, Pennsylvania, which is just across the river from Wilkesbury, just to help you relationally to know where that is. It was a great church. We felt called of God, appointed of God to go there. But the, we had, I, as an assistant here, I took a $10,000 a year pay cut to go to that church as a lead pastor. And um, so naturally, we had two boys at the time. And, and so financially, it was difficult. So I'm just setting the stage. This is going somewhere for you. It was difficult. And at the time, I was driving, it was a beautiful Jeep Grand Wagoneer. Y'all remember those old Wagoneers that had the wood panel, fake wood paneling siding and, and stuff? Uh, it was a 76 Jeep Wagoneer. Now, the motor in it, this means nothing to most of you. I could simply say, well, I'll, I'll tell you the truth. On the highway, at best, it got 11 miles to the gallon. That's the highway. In the city, <laughs> it didn't see a gas station it didn't like. And, and so when you have all of those struggles, so we came to the conclusion, we need to get rid of this thing. Not to mention the fact that it left my dear wife stranded in the middle of the intersection one afternoon. And I wasn't anywhere present. I was out of town or wherever I was, uh, I couldn't help her. And I made up my mind on that day. That was the last time that was going to happen to her. And God, you're going to have to do something. So we sold that Jeep, told a guy exactly what was going on with it. And he said, I'm happy to have it. All right. Bless the Lord. So I'm looking for another Jeep. I still want a Jeep. I still want a four-wheel drive vehicle. Some of you know I love to hunt and fish. And so it just comes with the territory. And so I got another Jeep, or I was looking at another Jeep. God told me it would be $1,600. I noticed that on the front of it, he worked at a dealership. This is going to come back in a moment. He worked at a dealership, and they actually used that Jeep to haul a race car as well as uh, to um, plow their parking lots in the car dealership. And so I noticed on the front of it is the apparatus to, to have a plow. And I looked at the guy, and I said, does the plow come with this deal? And he said, yes. And the reason I asked that question is because up to that point, I'm saying from 1986 to February of 1993, I think I saw two snows that were like, they really mattered. You know what I'm saying? And I had a Jeep, and I was like, it really mattered to me. I wanted to see snow just to prove it worked and I'm like, and I'm a Floridian, so I, I was like disappointed every time it's it snow and they start predicting stuff and you get three inches of snow. That ain't nothing. I know y'all are, but that's what I thought. In any case, um, so I would have told him if he had said, no, give me a couple hundred dollars, I'll give you the plow too. I would have looked at him and said, don't bother. What do I need a plow for? But he said it came with the Jeep. And so, got my Jeep, got the plow, took off, went back to our house, sat the plow down. And any of you that have lived in the Northeast and you were over the age of about 15 may remember that in March, literally March the 21st of 1993, so one month out, from owning the Jeep, this place got blasted with about, it, it was 21 inches up there, 21 inches of snow in about an eight-hour period, and it came on the, with what y'all experienced around Christmas here this year. 
sideways blowing, 50 mile an hour wind gusts, and, and uh, about zero degrees. It was a blizzard, and it tore this place up. <laughs> and so there I am in that nice little church, and I'm thinking, well, glory to God, I got a plow. I can plow my church. We don't have to pay these enormous rates to have somebody else come plow our church or rely on somebody that's not faithful. <laughs> and so, because, you know, it matters to me. So got my plow out that day, and I would say, you know, guys, y'all understand, it was a new toy. It, this was not work for me. I got a, man, my Jeep, and it was a four-speed. So, Albert, like you in the truck, man, I'm shifting gears. I got to where I could use all of my hands because you're, you're pressing, you got to shift some levers, and I'm shifting gears, and both feet are working. Man, I was like I, I had a bulldozer, and I was out there working this thing, doing the parking lot, back and forth. And I got my parking lot cleaned up, went back in my warm house, my wife made me some hot chocolate, and we were saying, glory, hallelujah. <laughs> and, and so, about a, two hours in on that day, and y'all know, when you get a blizzard like that, certainly at this time, it shuts down everything. I mean, everything shut down. And because of this, people were looking for people to plow their parking places, etc., and so uh, 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 one of my deacons in the church at the time called me and said, Hey, pastor, can you come plow my buddy's parking lot? He has a couple of places, actually, he needs you to plow, and, and he'll pay you for it. And I'm like, well, hallelujah. I don't have anything else I can do right now, so let's do this. Pick my plow out, go over there to his place. He gives me the assignment. He owned two apartment buildings. And I'm saying apartment complex. So there's like 50 cars in their parking area. This is a big, big apartment complex. I sat the plow down and I went down. I made one run and I couldn't lift the plow up when I got done with the one run. Now I'm saying, Jesus. This is not how this is supposed to work. <laughs> what would have been a blessing has already become a curse because I can't lift it up. And the reason the guy called me for this is because he had already had asked two other people to come plow and they never showed up. And so I'm going, I can't even get help. I can't get a tow truck. This is... So I have to drop the plow in the apartment complex parking lot, drive out of there, and think, Lord, you're, there's got to be some way to solve this dilemma. You've got an answer. So I called my buddy up that called me and got me into this to begin with. And, I, and we went to the dealership where I bought the Jeep. I thought, maybe they have the stuff to fix the plow. I went there. They said, we don't have all of what you need to fix that plow. And so they said, but we can give you the fluid. So we bought the fluid. And my buddy said, wait a minute. I think I know a place that has. And the dealership, the guy at the dealership said, what you need, it's just simple O-rings in this jack. It's Actually, that's all that is on plows. It's just a jack, a hydraulic jack that makes it go up and down. And now you're learning more than you ever thought you needed to know in church. So, so we, we went to another place to get O-rings for this mechanism. When we stopped at the place where the O-rings were, I have to pull across the street because there's snow everywhere like this. Now I'm glad I got a Jeep. And, and so I pull across the street in a parking lot. While he goes in to get O-rings from this place, a guy that's in a parking lot next to the one I'm in, where I'm at is a gas station, and where he's at is next to it. And he walks over to me, and he says, are you going to plow this parking lot? I said, well, I'm not plowing this parking lot. If I get the plow fixed, I'm going to be plowing another parking lot. He said, when you come back, plow my parking lot, I'll give you 50 bucks. And it's only the size of, like, this area right over here. I 
that's a lot of, 50 bucks. And th- that, that area with that plow took me about 15 minutes. So anyway, get the stuff. The guys did have the O-rings. God helped us. We figured out, this was pre-YouTube, you know, where you can look up anything and fix it. We just trusted God and did the best we could. We got it working. Went back over, got my plow, plowed that parking lot, plowed another parking lot. That same guy wanted me to plow. That right there was, I think, $190. And then I left there. And people are paying cash, too. So I'm saying, I'm making bank right now, Jesus. Hallelujah. This is how it's supposed to be. When my buddy came out of the spot where they were getting the O-rings, the guy said, why are you doing, what do you need these for? He said, it's for a plow. The guy says, will you plow my parking lot? So I came back to plow his parking lot, and the guy across that already asked me to plow his spot, while I'm plowing the other guy's parking lot, where I pulled in initially, he shows up and he says, when you're done with his parking lot, do my parking lot. So forth, so on, two and a half days. Yes, hallelujah. I not only paid off that Jeep, I had another thousand dollars in my pocket. Cashola. Now, why I tell you all of that story is to encourage you. Now, of course, it goes along with what Evangelist Emily has already talked with you about. Because we're tithers, we're givers beyond tithing. We've always practiced that, Pastor Amy and I. Thank you, Charlie, for staring at your, your, your papa. Hallelujah. And, and so, yeah, with hands raised. And, and so... God provided in the midst of that scenario when we were otherwise struggling to make ends meet. And I can tell you what God did at that time, it was phenomenal. Because the story doesn't actually end there. Every one of you that were in this neck of the woods during that time can remember, probably remember, that from that that time then... Into the next winter, we had 15 plowable snows. 15. Remember me saying I wouldn't have given the guy 200 bucks for it? I made double that every time it snowed. Every time. Because all of those people, I plowed their lots initially, said, Hey, here's my card. If it snows again, come see me. And they were paying cash. I'm good with that. I want to talk to you today about victory. And the reason I uh, told you that story about the Jeep is because a few of you, even though you've heard it three or four times, it represents a time when we were struggling financially while doing God's will. Hear those words. We were struggling financially while doing God's will where we believed God had sent us. I am absolutely convinced, and wow, what a nice crowd today. Sorry for that diversion. Uh, That if you walk in the way of God, If you, my daughter almost preached my scripture today. Well, she actually did, but, but we're not done yet. If you walk in the way of God and put Him first in decisions that matter to your life and to Him, and if you put Him first in those, God will give you victory. Look at your neighbor right now and say victory. Now, I want you to understand something. That's not just preacher speak. No more than what my daughter shared with you just a moment ago is just preacher speak. These principles don't just apply to me. They apply to all of us. You know, this isn't just fluffy preaching just to make you walk out of here feeling good. Now, 
I want to make you feel good when I preach the word to you, but, and, and maybe next week I'll mess you up and you'll walk out of here depressed, but not today. I want you to experience, I'm not trying to make you walk out of here depressed, but, you know, I'm just saying. That, that, I, I want you to experience a life of victory. Now, when I say that, hear these next words. I am not trying to imply that you may have a life where you experience no trouble. Walking in victory and having a trouble-free life are not mutually exclusive. You're going to experience trouble. That's life. But... Here's what the Word tells you about that. If you, by your decision, put God first, you can trust that He takes care of your troubles. Here's the Word. Matthew 6.33. You know this as a life scripture for me. But I'm going to give you the whole package today. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Y'all been sitting long enough. Stand up. That's a principle I'm trying to teach you right now. When I ask you to stand up, I'm asking you to do what this scripture is about to tell you to do. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Why am I standing, preacher? Out of reverence for God and what He speaks. And so I want you to understand these are not just words on a page. It's not just paper or or a screen that you're looking at. You are listening to the words of the living God. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. That just means treat one another and God as if it really matters. Like His Word tells you to treat people. And He will give you everything you need. Say everything. Everything. We'll come back on that. You can be seated now. So what we have to learn to do is to walk the talk. Walk the talk. How do I do that, preacher? Every action that you take begins with a thought. Okay, I know that sounds psychological to you, but don't act like you don't know it's true. So that means to you Pentecostals, you could say amen. Every action you take begins with a thought. Somebody, uh, some of you were thinking about sitting down before I said it. It begins with a thought. And even though if I convey the thought to you, you did it based on a fact that it was a thought before you took the action. Matthew 6.22, therefore, I I got ahead of myself. It is so important that you regulate what enters your conscience. That's in your notes, take that down. It is so important that you regulate what enters your conscience. Notice I said the word therefore. Because every action begins with a thought, it's important that what you think about is regulated. Let me tell you how this works, because we're talking about walking the talk. Here it is, Matthew, same passage, but it's just a few verses ahead of where we've been this morning. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. Do you catch that? So what comes through here starts to impact here. 
What comes through here starts impacting here. When your eye is healthy, in other words, what's entering it, your whole body is filled with light, that which does the body good. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. Like that extra piece of cheesecake you had a week ago. Hallelujah. And I'll finish the verse. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. And I really could preach down that lane because that's why our world is so messed up today. Because what they think is right, what is coming through their consciousness is wrong to begin with. And so it's making the whole thing unhealthy. Let's move on to what Psalm 101 verse 3 says. I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. That's the New Living Translation. I don't even know what the King James says there. I I will refuse. Nick, look that up for me. I know you're going for your phone so you can tell me what it says. I will refuse to look at anything vile or vulgar. That's a conscious decision on your part. That's not just you going along your way, doing life, and and just doing what makes me feel good. No, there's a conscious decision here that you will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. You highlighted it for me. Man, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. So that's a conscious decision that you make for this to work. It's important that you guard what you see because that may well determine actions that you take. You should have wrote that down. It's important that you guard what you see because that may well determine actions that you take. I'm already going to have to dry clean the shirt. I'm not going to have to do the jacket too. Now, like your eyes, your ears are another path to your conscience. Y'all remember the little children's Christian nursery rhyme? I heard it. Somebody already started. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little eyes. Now, but it also, it doesn't stop with the eyes, does it? Be careful, little ears, what you hear. And why does this matter? Any of you that tune in to do those Instagram reels or perhaps peruse Facebook will on occasion see a two or three year old acting like adult, adults blurting out curses. And it's recorded. I saw one the other day. Little boy, about three years old, on his little plastic car. All right, I actually have one of those cars for my grandkids. And it's a little plastic car that he sits and moves on his feet. And I watched him. He got out of the car and he said, you sorry, good for nothing, peace up. And kicked it. About three years old. Y'all know what happened there, don't you? He watched and heard some parent do the very same thing, and he mimicked what he saw. He was imprinted by somebody else to take those actions and act like he was 21 years old, but he was three. I didn't tell you that to startle you. But they've heard that frequently enough to do that very same thing. They not only mimic what they hear, but what they see. Here's the bad news. You never lose that capacity as an adult. How do I know that's true? In about four weeks, there will be advertisers for Doritos paying $4 million for a minute of what you see and hear.
I'm talking about the Super Bowl. They'll put, they'll shell out a $4 million for one minute of your time. What you see and what you hear. Because they understand this principle I'm now talking about. What you see with your eyes, what you hear with your ears, it may, moves you to do something. During this time of prayer and fasting, I turn on the television one evening. Oh, Lord, help me. Olive Garden. My, my television's a 55-inch 4K. I saw a piece of lasagna this big. Glistening with cheese dripping down the side of it. Oh God, help me Jesus. I didn't crumble. He gave me strength, but it was rough. That's what the advertisers know, and it's why they come at your eyes and your ears the way that they do, because they know and believe that you will act based on what you see and hear. They imprint on you, even as an adult. Given this understanding, it makes sense that you open your eyes and ears to godly things Only. So how do I do that, preacher? These are important. Even if you didn't pick up the notes for today in your bulletin, you should have. But if you didn't, write this down. You can always pick up a copy on your way out and watch this again on a rerun. Number one. Start your day by praising God. I know you thought I was going to talk about prayer. Nope. Start it with gratitude and thanks. Literally. Before you try to get God to do something else for you, thank Him that you breathed your first breath of that day and were conscious of it. Thank Him that you sleep in a bed that's comfortable to you. Thank Him that, that He provides a roof over your head and, and maybe even a job to take care of those things. But thank Him for what you do have. Why do I suggest that you do so? Because a heart of a gratitude, hear me when I say this, this is an extra note, a heart of gratitude is a seed of joy. A heart of gratitude is a seed of joy. I'll give you another one. A grateful heart will produce joy. And what a great way to start your day. Start your day with some joy in your heart. Man, just grateful that you get to do life. And maybe you have a whole lot more to be grateful for, but regardless of your situation, that you are awake and that you can do these things, give Him praise for that. Then second, now pray. Now pray. And just just begin to intercede. Go early to prayer. Just like you go early to praise. Make a conscious decision to take time to be with God in prayer. And I mean you have to make a conscious decision. Not just during these 21 days of prayer and fasting. I'm hoping you'll establish a habit that you're starting here and now that will keep you all through the year. The rest of your life. Paul's admonition to pray without ceasing should be our focus at all times. Pray without ceasing. But start your day with prayer. Number three, You should get the Word of God in you early in your day. And I know this this requires conscious thought. Instead of all the bad news, I know there's a bunch of you. You go immediately and turn your television on first thing in the morning. And your excuse is, I've got to get the weather and I want to know what's happening in the world that I'm a part of. And what's, what's that going to do? It's going to present to you bad news before you get any good news in your spirit. So make a conscious decision to get into the Word of God like never before in 2023. Whatever you've been doing, 
do this. And, and what does that mean? Yes, it means you may have to actually get up a half hour earlier. Well, preacher, I don't know that I can do that. I mean, because I stay up and watch 11 o'clock news. How about not watching the news, period? How about going to bed at 9.30? I know, I know I just said a curse word to some of you. Well, whatever. Whatever you got to do, adjust on the back end so that on the front end, you can wake up a half hour early and give it to God. I'm trying to give you the principles that will improve your life and walk with God. And if you don't want to do them, that's your business. But if you're not seeking the kingdom of God first, then you can't expect Him to take care of everything. But here's the good news. If you will choose to do this, God will actually come alongside you and help you carry out His Word. God will come alongside you and help you carry out His Word. That's good news, isn't it? He doesn't just bail on you and leave you out there to manage the best you can. He comes alongside and says, look, I'm going to help you out. How do I know this is true? Because I know the Word. I know what Philippians 4.13 says. Some of you do too. I can. Look at your neighbor and say, I can. Now add a word to it. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Did you hear that word? Who gives me strength. I can get up a half hour earlier. I can give God praise in the front end of my day. I can pray for more than two minutes. I can spend more than five minutes in God's Word. Just getting a little devotion because you have the app on your phone. You see, what God does is He provides an assist, especially on the things that make you stronger. Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's to His benefit that you're strong and capable. Really. He wants somebody strong. He wants somebody capable. Now, this may be news to a few of y'all. But if it's news, it's news. Many of you, or most of you, know this. We actually have security in this church. Not just cameras. There are a few capable men in this church that if they are called upon, they will immediately take action and use whatever force is necessary for that action. These are strong and capable men. I don't want... Y'all, pardon me if I... I don't want Karina on my security detail. (laughs) Okay. Okay, y'all do the mom thing. Give her all the props you want. I know she's tough, but I don't want her on my detail. I, I, I want Richie, who's standing there at that back door, who I know is capable. We've got several men like that. God wants you strong and capable so that you can carry out the work He's committed for you to do. So He provides an assist. Every parent that has ever raised a child assists that child in growing in, in knowledge and understanding to, that's necessary for life. All of us do. You don't just throw the kid out in water and say, have at it, hope you can swim. Some of your parents may have done that with you, but I'm not suggesting you try that. 
It's either sink or swim. That's it. There's a John Wayne movie where he does exactly that. He picks up a little boy, said he can't swim, and goes. Now, I know it's just a movie, but. And, and his mama comes running up to John Wayne and says, You can't do that! He can't swim! I can't either! And then she looks at him and goes, I don't know why I said that. Anyway, let's move on. You see, God brings an assist, and here it is. Acts 1.8. But you will receive. Do you hear that word? Will? Not you may receive, or could receive, or even should receive. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. The very reason for sending the Holy Spirit is that the church would be able to do God's work. That's the reason He sent Holy Spirit. Let me put it to you another way. In the same way that Jesus actively displayed His power everywhere He went, we should. Yeah? Amen. Thank you, Sister Tina. I heard you. Everywhere, the same way that Jesus displayed His power and anointing, everywhere He went, we should. And I say it this way, the church has undersold the gospel for centuries. We tout, we proclaim something we don't fulfill. We're incapable, but we think we're capable. It's time to reclaim our authority and power. It's time that we get back to a signs-following ministry and life. I should have added that to it. You can add it to your notes. We get back to a signs-following ministry and life. Listen to what Mark 16, 17, and 18 say. These miraculous signs will accompany. There's that same word. Do you see it? These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. What? These signs will accompany who? Those who believe. Do you believe? Are you a believer? They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. For the church to truly walk in victory, we must display this kind of power. This is you having the power to set the captive free. Why do I bother to say that? Because you're going to be places I will never go. You're, you know people right now that I may never meet until you bring them to church. I may never meet them, but you'll be there. Shouldn't it be that you have the power, you have the anointing, you have the influence on the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Spirit in you, that you walk by one of your workmates and the Holy Ghost just says to you, you need to stop and pray for that guy. He has a bad kidney. All right, Lord, whatever you say. And you start laying, you say, I just had the Lord impress me upon me that I needed to pray for you because you have a bad kidney. And that guy look at you and say, well, I never told you you had a bad, I had a bad kidney. How do you know that? Because the Holy Ghost said so. And we're going to pray. You think that'll change things for that guy? You don't think he'll go home and talk to it, to his wife about it? It's children. We're going, to to, we're going to have to go to that church. I don't know what it is about those people, but I do know this. 
God spoke to him and said, I had a bad kidney problem and, and he prayed for me and God took care of it. That'll change things, won't it? And here's the deal. God has set you up to do this. God has set you up to do this. Remember what we just quoted a moment ago? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You become a conduit through which God can work in your life. You know people that are bound by forces of darkness, such as sickness or alcohol or drugs or immorality. You know people like that, that I will never come across their path, but you know them, and God's given you the power to help them, rescue them, to pull them out of that darkness, to pull them out of that muck and mire, just like He did you. Don't let them sit there. Wallowing in their pain and hurt. Jesus Himself said, I have come to set at liberty those who are captive. We're to go and do likewise. You've been given the power to set them free. Now listen. God has sent me here to help you do this. Now that sounds pretty lofty, preacher. I got scripture to back it up, but... We'll get to it. Here it is in Ephesians 4, verse 11. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Uh, Say, preacher, you're a gift. Now, of course, I'm having fun with that, but I didn't make this up. This isn't my word. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church The body of Christ. Their responsibility is to equip God's people. Say to your neighbor, I'm God's people. For what? What are we equipping you for? To do His work to build up the church, the body of Christ. We're not done yet. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Remember what I said a moment ago? Don't compare yourself to your brother or sister, whether they have a weak life or a strong life. We're measuring ourselves to the standard of Christ. So as He did while He walked on this earth, you should be. And so the task of the pastoral ministry staff and ministry staff is to equip you. And we are blessed. Say, I'm blessed. We are blessed with a knowledgeable, anointed and capable ministry staff to help you with things you need to grow in. We are. Stand up, Minister Robert. Stand up, Evangelist Nick and Emily. Nana, you can stand up, but I know Charlie's sleeping right now. Uh, Pastor Mackay, stand up. Stand up, Pastor Peggy. We we are equipped with a, a good pastoral and ministry staff to help you be equipped to do the work of God right here in the Lehigh Valley. It's all right if you give them a thanks right now. Y'all can be seated. Thank you. You see, God wants you to grow to maturity that you may do works of ministry. He wants you to grow to maturity in Him so that you may do works of ministry. That's what He wants of you. It's not all about us. Now we're the ones that are supposed to train and equip. And the good news is 
This is you walking the path of victory as a believer. This is the path of victory. This is what that represents. Because here's how it works. When this is working right and well, you will be actively engaging the lost and broken. You are actually bringing repair into those broken lives. That's God's design. Not that just we at the church centralized in this building would have anointing and power. But that you would have it wherever you go. That's why evangelists Nick and Emily, when, when we do our, our evangelism training sessions, they're teaching you how to pray over people. Don't just go up to them and talk about, you know, just blurt out what the script says. If you see their suffering, pray over them. And expect God to show up when you do. Let me bring it to a conclusion. Because I'm committed to your success. Remember the title? Walking in victory. It's our theme for 2023. Walking in victory. Back to Matthew 6. This time verses 31 through 33. Here we go. So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? Hear this next line. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. You're not an unbeliever. That means because of who you are and because of who he is, You ought not to be dominated by thoughts of fear of what I will eat and what I will drink. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. And so what does He tell us? Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and He will give you everything you need. So after telling them that how God takes care of birds and flowers, Jesus reminds them that they are more important. In the eyes of God, you're more important than... I know some of you may be tree huggers, love the environment, love your animals... God loves you more than any of that. He loves you more than any of that. These created things don't have the capacity to have witnessed God's provision, yet they don't worry. What do you think about that? Did you ever see a bird out in your backyard pacing? know how I'm going to do this. Standing at your door saying, "Have you? could you please fill up the bird feeder? I'm hungry. Looking at you saying, what are you waiting on, bud? We have, and even if you're not taking notes, this would be a great thing for you to write down. We have the word of God. We have the testimony of the saints that have gone before us, and we have our own experience. I said this to you all if you were here last week. Where are your Ebenezer stones? That's why that rock has Ebenezer on it. Do you know what Ebenezer means? It means the stone of help. That's what it means. Samuel set one up, and that's where the scripture came from that caused me to have Albert right there on the front row paint me up a stone that said these things on it so it would be a representation to you because here's the deal, folks. Um, Where are the markers and testimonies of your past? Where have you seen God show up and bring you through, bring a breakthrough for your life? Where have you watched the hand of God twist and turn and manipulate circumstances in a way that you are blessed beyond measure? I shared one of those with you on the front end of this message. 
You see, God took what could have been a time of, and I, the rest of the story is what I said to you all is that every time it snowed and it did so 15 times, I kept count because every time it snowed, I made four to five hundred dollars. Paid off everything, got my wife a new diamond for her ring. This one's not quite as glamorous. We got a brand new washer and dryer. We also got a brand new bed at that time, didn't we? Because of God's provision. Supernatural supply. That's a marker for me. That's why I share it with you today. It reminds me that God is good all the time. That he shows up when he needs to show up. Now I got to bring you to this conclusion. And it is the conclusion. may make you smile. But here it is. Everything is everything. God, when God says he will give you everything you need. It is really everything you need. Everything is everything. You, pat yourself, me, that's you. Everything you need. Maybe not everything you want but everything you need. Now, I live in the blessing of God. I'm beyond the want area. I've, I've moved into the blessing zone. And the reason I've moved there is because, as my daughter said earlier, because we practice the principles that will allow God to bless our lives. It's really everything, but remember it is a qualified statement. First is first just like everything is everything first is first first isn't second because here's where you're going to get wrong on this and you're going to miss this you're going to relegate God to second, third, fourth in your life you're going to put your spouse even your children ahead of him and some of you are balking at me even saying that but my children are my first responsibility. No, they are not. They are your responsibility. And first above anyone else outside of your household. But they're not your first responsibility. Seek first the kingdom of God. That means you have your eyes set upon that which matters to God most. And your spouse and your children align themselves somewhere behind that. I know I need to say this to some of you because you get yourself all bound up in all the programs your children have to be in and your, your spouse, you, I gotta have them first because pastor, if I don't take care of my spouse first, then I know that they're just gonna be mad at me. They're gonna make my life miserable. No, train them, show them the ways of God. Hey, listen, if you put God first for real, I mean, really put God first, You'll be the best spouse on the planet. They will never complain about you. They will thank God for you. Let me take them a little bit. Could you make some decision that they look at and say, Well, I, you should have thought of me. It's a qualified statement. Put God first. Because first is first. It's not second. If you do that, if you put God somewhere else down the lane... You will reap the benefits that that decision makes in your life. So you're only going to get second or third, fourth, fifth, tenth, because that's all you've given God. 
as in place in your life. And you'll not, you'll not see the principles that I'm talking about today. You will not be walking in victory. It will not happen because God won't bless your mess. If he's second, third, fourth, tenth, we move on. This is a full-on commitment. God's wanting everything you've got to give. Not a little bit. He wants you to give Him everything because that's the only way to trust Him in everything. I'm moving quickly now. This is the only way to true lasting success or walking in victory. It's the only way. There are not three or four methods. It's the only way to really walk in victory in this matter. And if you truly place God first and His kingdom in your life, I can guarantee you, you will walk in victory. Stand to your feet. Now, I've talked about walking in victory and the pathway to walking in victory and the first steps that have to be taken on this road to victory and a life of victory are knowing Jesus for real. Not just attending church. I don't care if you grew up in a church or this church, but I'm talking about really walking with Jesus, not going to church. If you are here, I'd like everyone to bow their head, close their eyes. Please don't use this opportunity to pack your bags and run out of here. Please, just for a minute, if you just kind of stand still and, and, and allow us to reach into your life with this gospel message. And you're praying, believers. Perhaps you're here and you're not walking with the Lord. Or at one time you were walking with the Lord, but now... It's a weak relationship and you're not where you know you need to be. If that's you, you'd say, preacher, I got to get things right with God today. I don't want to walk out of this place with God relegated to some second, third, fourth, tenth place in my life. You lift your hand right where you're at. Say, that's me, preacher. I got to get things right with God today. Thank you. Thank you. I see a few hands here this morning. Thank you for being honest with the Lord and with us. Here's what we're going to do. If you mean business with God, and you're willing to boldly act on that meaning business with God, I'm going to ask you if you're willing to walk out of your pew right now, come forward that I can pray for you. If you raised your hands, you mean business with God, I want you to be able to come out of that pew and acknowledge it by coming forward. Come on, who will join these with this prayer? God made it fail. God made it fail. Everything that the devil tried, God made it fail. God made it fail. God made it fail. Fail, he made it fail. Everything Thank that you. the devil tried, God made it fail. Is there anyone else in this place? Come on, don't let the devil talk to you. You, you tell him, I'm doing what I need to do because I've had enough of this. I want to get things right with God today. I'm going to get up out of my pew. I'm going up there. I don't care what the enemy thinks. Come on. God Come on. Made it fail. Come on, let's encourage them, folks. God made it fail. Gotta have somebody walk with you. Ask them. Everything that the devil tried, God made it fail. God made it fail. Praise you, Jesus. God made it fail. Everything that the devil tried, God made it fail. Bless the Lord. Thank you, courageous ones, for being willing to step forward. 
come forward. I know that uh, at least one of you up here uh, are coming out of a, just a desire to say, I, I know I've I got to get back to where I need to be with the Lord. Maybe that's many of you that are up here right now, but for some of you, perhaps this is a first time decision, but all of you can join me in this prayer. I'm just helping you out, but it's got to come from your heart for it to matter. Pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. I believe you in my heart and I confess you with my mouth. You are Lord. And I thank you, Jesus. You rose from the grave. And that same power you give to me today to rise up from my life of sin and follow you. Forgive me of my sins. From this moment, I commit my life to you. Amen. Amen. Y'all stay put for just a minute. Praise the Lord. Now, if you all would not mind, uh, this couple, the very tall couple standing over here to my left, are going to take you through that door and just get some information for you to help you to know what's next. What do I do next? That's all this is about. Uh, I, I, trust me, nothing weird's going to happen to you over there. Just get some information from you. Would you mind doing that, believers? Y'all wait just a second because it's over to you now. Now listen, you believers, you've heard this message and you know where you're at with the Lord. Because many of, even some of the folks that did come forward, they came forward because they are acknowledging that God isn't first. They're acknowledging that they put God somewhere back on a, on a shelf. But is that you too? You don't need to do a full-on rededication to the Lord, but maybe you know that God has been relegated someplace in your life. And you need to take a moment and say, God, forgive me. You know what would be good? That song that I sang or asked you guys to sing repeatedly. Can you Can you do it from the keyboard? Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's the only words I can... Robert can do it. He's right there. He's, he's got you. Thank you. I'm sorry I tried to get you to sing it. Uh, the reason I'm asking for him to sing this is because it represents how we've placed God and we're approaching God just for what we can get from him. We need to start approaching God in worship just because we love him. That's putting him first. Minister Robert. I'm sorry when I've just gone through the motions. I'm sorry when I just sing another song. Take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you. Sorry when I've come with my agenda. I'm sorry when I forgot that you're enough. Take me back to where we start. I open up my heart to you. Come on, do it, church. And I'm sorry when I've just gone through the motions. 
emotions, I'm sorry. I forgot that you're enough. Take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you. Thank you, Jesus, that you help us bring the assist to tell us and remind us that we can do this. We can walk this walk. We can make daily decisions to put you first. And when we do that, we are guaranteed success in our walk with you and success in life in general. We're not trying to proclaim a trouble-free life. But we are proclaiming and guaranteeing a life of success that God puts His stamp on. If we really put you first, Lord, help us to walk that out daily in our lives. In Jesus' name, I pray and believe. I love you folks. Thank you so much for being here. Come on back tonight, if you will, at 6 p.m. I hope you've enjoyed today's message and that it has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening in. If you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please connect with us either at our website, www.centralfamily.net, or perhaps give us a call at 610-865-0577. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if this has been that kind of a blessing to you, would you consider blessing us with a financial gift to make it possible for us to continue to do what we're doing here and taking the gospel not only to the Lehigh Valley but around the world. We want to do our part in reaching the people that God has entrusted to us with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can help us with your financial gift or sowing a seed to this ministry. God bless you. Have an amazing day. Remember, you can reach us and give through www.centralfamily.net.